Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. Pushing beyond that today and doing a great job in worship. Can you give them, her and Josiah a hand? Let them know you appreciate them being here today. I will draw your attention to the book of Job. I was going to preach something different today and decided to go with this on the way here. And uh, the prior, if he has a scripture up on there, if he if he does it, then he's doing a great job because I text him about 15 minutes before service. And then I don't think he had his phone with him because when I walked in, he said, you got any scriptures? I said, yeah, I've already texted them to you. And so... Uh, so if he has them up there and everything's good, then he's excellent. If he's not, if he doesn't have everything right, it's my fault. Okay. All right. Job chapter 3, verse 25 and 26 says, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. That which I was afraid of is come upon me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Then jump to the 42nd chapter of the book of Job, the final end of the story here. And it said, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And he came there unto him, all his brethren and all his sisters and all they that had been of his acquaintance before. And did eat bread with them in this house, and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought unto him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every one an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginnings. And it continues to go on, all the things the Lord had blessed him with, 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 yoke of oxen, a thousand she asses and, and on and on, and then it gives him, uh, accounts to him another set of children. And uh, so now he has a set of children in heaven and a set of children on the earth. And so the Lord has doubly blessed him. And the Bible says in that last verse of that portion of Scripture, it says, So Job died being old and full of days. Then I want to jump to the psalmist. The psalmist David writes, he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. In the night season, am not silent, but thou art holy, O oh thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. I want to preach to you today finding strength in your suffering. Finding strength in your suffering. For the right, if you'll ask the Lord's blessing upon this message today. Amen. Amen. You may be seated today. I do give honor to your pastor who is not here. He texted me uh, last evening, told me. Uh, what was going down and all of that and everything, and, and I thanked him for his confidence in us, and I told him, I said, you just enjoy your family, we'll figure it out one way or the other when we get there. Praise the Lord. So we're thankful for him, his friendship, and uh, his ministry, and uh, he keeps my mother-in-law saved. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Finding strength in our suffering. There is a misnomer many times in the Christian faith that many likely assume there's children of God 
we will be or should be spared of the pain and the suffering of this world. We think we gave our heart to God. We accepted him as our Savior. Everything's going to be wonderful from this point on. If someone told you that when you came to God, they lied to you. Because I've got news for you. If nothing else, it gets harder. The old preacher said it's hard to live for God easy, but it's easy to live for God hard. And so if you are giving everything that you've got, everything's going to be all right. But it's trying to, it's when we try to live according to the world and according to the word of God that we get mixed up and stumbled. But just because we give our heart and our life to God does not mean that we are not going to face things. The Bible says that it rains on the just and on the unjust. Every season of life and circumstance happens to every one of us. We may not have the same story, but the same premise is true across the board. God is all-powerful and loves us, does he not? Shouldn't he keep us from bad things? I have a book in my library that's simply titled, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Have you ever asked that question either out loud or to yourself? Have you ever asked yourself, why do the wicked prosper while the righteous suffer? We've all asked ourselves this, and, and though in our human thinking we might assume that God plainly tells us in his word that we will not face times of pain and suffering, even when we are faithfully living for God. But on Paul's first missionary journey, while preaching the gospel, he and Barnabas uh, came to a city called Lystra. And while Paul was preaching, God healed a man that had never walked before. Paul commanded the man to stand up, and the man leaped, and he was completely healed. You see, the Gentiles who witnessed this miracle were astonished. They began to shout that Paul and Barnabas must be gods. Paul and Barnabas were barely able to restrain them from, from offering sacrifices to them because of what God had done through them. It's amazing that in 19 years of pastoring, and I'm sure that, that Brother Wright in all his years of pastoring, he can account, and if you ask your pastor, he would tell you the same stories, that, that one minute we're wonderful and the next minute we're the most awful people in the world. <laughs> and you don't have to be in the ministry for people to think that about you. You can be on the job and your boss like you one day and hates you the next day. We're all sub, uh, subjected to that type of situations in our life. But as Paul and Barnabas were trying to fight off them, worshiping them as God, at the same moment, a Jewish opponent of Paul had surrounded the area, arrived, and somehow managed to take a crowd that was worshiping Paul and Barnabas and wanted to stone them in the next moment. Imagine, it's kind of like coming to church on Sunday morning. Or Sunday afternoon, worshiping God, getting a great blessing, and then Monday morning, everything in your life falls apart. It's kind of what Paul and Barnabas was experiencing here, but miraculously, Paul survived and bravely continued his missionary work in that area, including in Lystra. You see, Luke summed up, up this period of Paul's ministry by saying this. In Acts 14, he said, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith, and that we might, must, through much tribulation, <coughs> enter into the kingdom of God. 
Luke said, you're not getting to the kingdom of God without tribulation. You're not going to make it there. You're not, if, if you are truly living for God and your destiny is heaven, you're going to face tribulation. You're going to face trials and circumstances. You're going to face times of suffering. You see, when Paul talked about much tribulation, he knew what he spoke of. Read the life of Paul. Many times we want, we want to be like the heroes of the Bible. But if we would take a moment and see what took them, what they went through to get there. I remember uh, many, many years ago I heard Johnny James, one of the great uh, preachers in the PAW, he said he had a young man come up to him. He said, he said uh, Brother James, I want you to lay hands on me. And I want you to impart the wisdom that you have into my life. Brother James said, I'll pray for you, but the wisdom that I have came from a lot of experiences and a lot of studying the Word of God and going through the things that I went through in my life. It wasn't by the laying on the hands that I've experienced the situations that I uh, find myself in today and, and the blessings of God is because I've went through some things. I've been through some things. I picked up the Word of God, and I, I, I ate on it every single day of my life, and I put it to memory, and I did all of those things. That's how come I'm where I am today. And I looked at men and women like Lee Stone King, and I looked at their lives, and I thought great anointings were upon their lives, and I wanted to be like them until, Brother Wright, I started reading some of the recounts of the stories of the things that they went through and the struggles that they faced and all of those things. And I thought, you know what, maybe I don't want to be like them after all. We, you and I were at General Conference in 2001 in Louisville, Kentucky, and Brother Tetnamer, I believe is, is how you pronounce his name, he was dancing around the platform and he was uh, patting the preacher on the back while he was gone. And somebody said, the, the speaker said, I bet you wonder why. I'm not stopping him from doing that. He said, if you've been through what he's been through, and you can still march and run around this, this platform and worship God the way that he's worshiping God. He, the preacher said, who am I to stop him from worshiping God? Because he's been through some things, and he's still worshiping and praising God today. Second Corinthians 1 says, Paul also promised us that God will comfort us and he will deliver us from our sufferings. He will, we will suffer, but God will give us strength in our suffering. Job 1 and 6 says, the angelic sons of God came to present themselves before Yahweh. And he said, in the, as he sat upon the heavenly throne, and surprisingly Satan himself appeared in the heavenly court. And the Lord's asking Satan, he said, what have you been up to, boy? He said, I've just been roaming through the earth seeking whom I may devour. And you know, there are times in my life I wish, I, I like to think that, that my name is on the lips of God. But in times like this, I wish my name wasn't on the lips of God. Because the devil's looking for whom he may devour. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, I know Job. But God, I think the reason that Job 
worships you and serves you the way that he does is because you bless him so much. Satan was questioning the motives of Job's worship. So Satan laid down a challenge. He said, put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. The devil said, you jerk the rug out from underneath him, and he'll stop worshiping you. What he was saying was, God, God, if you'll take that hedge around Job that you built around him to protect him and bless him, then he won't worship you anymore. But what Satan didn't realize, that behind that hedge, Job was building his own hedge. By the experiences and the faithfulness of God to him, Job was showing his faithfulness to God by his prayer, by his worship, by his service. And he was building his own hedge up to him. Hear this preacher today, God will put a hedge around every one of us. But we can't rely on the hand of God to keep us. We've got to keep worshiping God. We've got to keep serving God. We've got to keep loving God. We've got to keep coming to church even when it's not easy to worship God. God decided he would silence the great accuser by proving him wrong. So God told Satan that he could attack Job within limits. He said, you can do whatever you want to, but take his health. Take it all. Satan left Yahweh's presence and immediately began his assault. One day suddenly heard a commotion and looked up to see that one of his servants, this is Job, looked up and saw one of his servants just, I don't know if he was having breakfast with a wife and all of a sudden he looked out the window and here comes one of his servants down the road. As he's coming down the road, he, I don't know if he got up to meet him or if the servant came on into the house or exactly what happened, but the servant said, the Sabans have raided and killed your servants with a sword and taken all the oxen and donkey and he said, I'm the only one that have escaped. Have you noticed that there's always someone who escapes to give you the bad news? While he was still speaking, yet another one says, the fire fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the shepherds, and only I escaped. While he was yet speaking, another servant ran. Have you ever asked that question or been afraid to ask that question? What else? I've been afraid to ask that question because I'm afraid that I might find out. In just moments, all of Job's prosperity was gone. He went from the wealthiest man in the land to the most bankrupt man in the land in a matter of moments. you imagine that? As Job reeled in shock at the news that he heard, it wasn't over yet. The ma- another servant said, Master, another servant ran up to him and said, Your sons and your daughters, and I can think, I can see Job right now, not my kids. Take my oxen, take my sheep, take my land, take my barns, take everything, but not my kids. No, God, not my kids. The servant went on to say that while your children were in the house of your eldest son, a tornado came and destroyed the entire house, and I'm the only one that was saved. And I've come to tell you about it. 
Overwhelmed with grief, Job rose up and he rent his mantle according to Job 1 and 20 and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and he worshiped. Notice that he worshiped. You see, it's easy to worship God when God fills the bank accounts. It's easy to worship God when the boss likes you. It's easy to worship God when the promotions come. But when you're passed over by promotions and there's no money in the bank and you got to eat Raymond noodles instead of steak for dinner, those are the times that it's hard to worship God. But hear this preacher today. You will find strength in the midst of your suffering if you can learn to worship God in the high times and in the low times. You See, it says nothing about your Christian character if you can uh, worship God uh, when it's going good uh, but have to be in the moly grubs of life uh, when it's going bad. Uh, it's time that the church of the living God find the strength that they need in the worship to God no matter what you're going through today. He worshiped God. While most of us lock ourselves in our bedrooms and cry and puck hall a pity party, no, that wasn't Job. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. How he knows that when you pass one test, another test comes. That's what happened to Job. Job worshiped the Lord, and all of a sudden, the devil went back to God and said, you know what? I think if I get his health, I can get him down. I don't know about you, but I'm a man, and us men, we are built in our psyche and our thinking and mentality that we are providers. I, I feel like I need to provide for my family, for my wife, for my children, for, for whatever God blesses me to be a part of. I feel like I need to provide and have the strength to do that. And so I'm going to be transparent with you today. Some of the greatest struggles of my life is because of physical health. I've had, I've had much and I've had little and I've still trusted God. But I know that the greatest struggles of my life is the physical needs of my life when I can't do the things physically that I need to do because of sickness and things in my life. And those have been the greatest struggles of my life and even caused great depression in my heart and my life. I'm being honest and transparent with you. I've struggled just like many of you have struggled here today. But as Job was suffering his greatest loss, Satan appeared and said, I want his... I want his hell, skin for skin, yea, all that a man hath give it his life. He said, put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to, his, to your face. In other words, God, if Job's health is destroyed, his worship will turn to cursing. So the Lord told Satan, he said, you can afflict Job physically, but you can't kill him. You can take him to the point of death, but that's as far as you can go. You can't take his life. How many knows that the power of life and death is in the hand of God? I'm not getting into a political debate here or anything, whether you believe or whatever about COVID, but many people asked me during the COVID pandemic, aren't you afraid of that? And I said, no, because the moment that God once done with me upon this earth, he will take me out. Whether it's COVID, a heart attack, an accident on the highway, however God desires to take me out, he will take me out. The Bible says that God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Through all of that, I still worship God. Through all of that, I still preach the word of God. 
We closed our church down for six weeks because I trusted the government. Then I realized the government wasn't to be trusted. And long before our king from Springfield gave us the permission to open our church as we opened our church. We didn't make a huge fanfare. We just called all the saints in our church and said, starting on May, the first Sunday in May, we're reopening for our church. You can come if you don't want, if you want to. If you don't want to, you can stay home and watch online, but we're going back to church. And we started back to church, and we know the only time we stopped is when my wife had COVID. And uh, we were all quarantined. But by the time that I got COVID, she was immune to it. She was still had all the antibodies, so she went. When I got COVID, she just went to church and preached the message, and we kept having church. Because you see, I I wasn't afraid, and I'm not I'm not trying to discount COVID. It was a very serious. We lost a lot of our saints of God, but I believe that they really didn't lose, because the Bible says that if you are absent of the body, we are in the presence of God. And so those that went on to be with the Lord, I'm I'm sorrowful for those that didn't know God that went on to be to meet their maker. But to those of, of those that, that were holy and acceptable for God and saved, they're standing on the hate gates, uh, beyond the gates of pearl at walking on streets of gold today, and they don't really care about COVID or anything in their life right now. I didn't mean to get off on all that, but what I'm saying today is that I believe the power of life and death is in the hands of God. I believe that no one can do anything to us as far as our life, except that God wills it and allows it. Three of Job's friends heard the calamities and they came to comfort him. Job's appearance so shocked them that they began to weep. They tore their clothes and sprinkled dust on their heads. They sat with him in silence for seven long days. What could possibly say to, to him face to face while he was suffering? Their presence was all that they could offer. Have you ever been with someone knowing that they've been going through things you really don't have the words to say? I've sat with families as they watched dying loved ones die. I didn't always have the words to say. All they did was sit with them and was with them during those times of suffering and trials. And you see, we may not always have the answers, but I'm thankful for saints of God that will stand with others when they're struggling today. You see, some, some, of, some of us in our life, if we're battling, we need to be like, we need, like Moses. We need the Aaron's and the hers to come alongside us and lift our hands up and worship and praise during those struggling times. God, thank those people who are willing to strengthen those in the physical and the spiritual realm inside the body of Christ. But during the long hours of lamenting before the Lord in silence, Job finally broke his silence and he began to say, may the day perish on which I was born, and the night on which it was said a male child is conceived. You see, he didn't curse God, but he did curse the very day he was born. You see, for the thing I greatly feared, he says, has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me, and I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. He said, I'm grieving. There's something churning on the inside of me, wanting more than what I'm experiencing right now in my life. I don't know who you are here today, but God wants you to know by the power of the Holy Ghost, I feel it right now, the unction, that God wants you to know with a surety today that what you're going through, God understands. And that God understands the groanings of your spirit. God understands what you're facing right now. But God also understands that he has the ability to give you the strength that you need to face what you're facing in your life today. Don't turn away from God. Turn towards God in that moment of your life. 
What Job felt at that moment as he cried out in perfect expression is the anguish that questioned David would later ask God as he suffered in Psalms 22. He said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? Have you ever felt like God was a thousand miles away? When everything's going good, it feels like God's right there by you. But when you're going at it, you feel like you're going at it alone. The Bible says he'll never leave you. He will never forsake you. You may not feel him in that moment, but God has never left anywhere. God's right there by your side. The moment that you need the help the most, uh, God will step in and God will say enough's enough today. God will say enough's enough today. Hear this preacher today. God will not bring you to it if God cannot bring you through it. Hear this preacher today. Sometimes uh, we need to stop asking God to deliver us from it, but ask God to give us the strength to go through it because it's in those moments, in those valleys, uh, it's in the trials of life that God strengthens us that God makes us to what God wants us to be. He's pulling out the hammer and the chisel and he's creating in you and I a vessel of honor that is worthy to be used of him. David, like Job, roared in anguish. Thus we have a pattern of scripture that reveals the, the acceptance of crying out to God when we face suffering. Psalms 50 says, in fact, that God desires that we seek him and call upon him when we find ourselves overwhelmed. Psalm 50 and verse 15 says, call upon me in the days of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. You see, that's great, preacher. Job was a wonderful man. We understand it. We've heard preached about Job, how great Job was. Job went all through these things, but you don't understand what I'm going through. Most of us have not suffered to the extreme of Job. Perhaps you've lost your health. Perhaps this, this afternoon you've experienced great financial loss. Perhaps you have grieved the death of a child or grieved a child rejecting the Lord. Perhaps you have been betrayed by a loved one. Perhaps you have experienced persecution for your faith and being constantly attacked and undermined at work. Perhaps you have experienced the acute suffering of being unable to relieve the suffering of someone else around you. I think I struggle with that more, Brother Wright, than anything else. Watching people around me suffer cuts deeper to my heart than even when I'm facing it. You see, because of the struggles that we face, we may assume that God has forsaken us. We may think that God could barely uh, or hardly be with us if the struggles are happening. At these times, David's words in Psalms 22 and 1 perfectly express our dismay. We may not say them, but we wonder them at times. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, if the struggles are bad enough, we may, like Job, wish that we had never been born. You see, I've never been suicidal to the point that I wanted to take my own life. But for the right, I've went through some struggles that when I laid down my head at night, I thought, if I don't wake up tomorrow, it'll be a whole lot better for me. I went through those struggles. I faced those things in my life. But I've got some news for each and every one of you today. You need to, during those times, you need to pray. 
Pray for answers. Pray for deliverance. Pray at least for God's consoling, consoling presence. Sometimes answers come at once, and sometimes we feel that God is close, but sometimes answers do not come at once, and we do not feel him. But I've come to tell somebody in this house today, he may not come when you want him to, but he's always right on time. If you're struggling with things today and the suffering of your life has become unmanageable to you, instead of giving up today, how about every one of us in this house doubles down in our efforts and begins to cry out to God with more fervency, but still we may or may not receive the answers and we won't know until the end season what this is all about and we may not even ever know. Brother Wright, there may be time things that have happened in my life that I won't even know why I went through them until I step over to the threshold of those pearly gates and stand face to face with the one who saved me by his grace. But you see, sometimes it's not about me knowing why I'm going through this thing, but just trusting God through all of it. Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. In Psalm 22, 4 and 5, it seems that David's sense of abandonment was increased by remembering the stories of how God delivered the Israelites' ancestors in the past. You see, they had trusted in God. They had cried out to him, and they were delivered. But it was not working out that way for David. Have you ever prayed those prayers? God, you did it for so-and-so. Why can't you do it for me? He was trusting and he was crying out, but nothing was happening. The Lord had been David's God for so long as he could remember. David had hoped in and trusted in God his whole life, and it was, it, was it, was it for to be in vain? You see, he had known the presence of God in the past, so now he called on God to remember their relationship and come near again and deliver him from his misery, a misery for which only God could save him. It's all right to remind God of your faithfulness. It's all right to remind God of his promises in your life. It's all right to rehearse to God how faithful you've been. And let God know that you need some strength in this moment to continue to be faithful. And I believe that God will give you the strength that you need to get through what you're facing today. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You see, because of this, the psalmist added, therefore we will not fear. You see, God never promised us that we would not have trouble. He did promise, however, to be our very present help in those times. God is not present simply to observe our suffering. Have you ever wondered that, if God was just sitting back watching all the things unfold in your life? Just to enjoy it for a moment? No, that's not why God is doing it. The reason God is watching us during our time of suffering because the Lord is going to swoop in just at the very time that you need him most. God's eye is upon every one of us. As the song says, his eye is on the sparrow. 
He knows every tear that falls from your eyes. He knows the number of hairs that are upon your head. He takes care of the ravens and the sparrows uh, by day and night. He understands them and takes care of them. How much more shall God care for those that he gave his life upon Calvary for, uh, that he breathed his only breath into each and every one of us and made us a living soul today? How much more that God would care for us, uh, that he cares for the birds and the air and the fish and the sea? How much more should God care for us? God cares about the suffering that you're going through. God cares about the things that you're facing in your life. As the musicians come back to give you hope, at our home church, we've just been getting started, but I'm going to let you off easy today. Psalms 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and a very present help in trouble. You see, in response to God's promises to be present and to strengthen us in suffering, I will, with God's help, consciously put my trust in God in the midst of all of my suffering. I'm not asking you to come in here and act like everything's all right in your life. But I am asking you to come in when you're suffering and you're struggling in life to offer up worship to God. You see, I've I've walked into church ravished with pain in my body. Sickness trying to push through. Only Brother Miriam, when I began to worship God and I began to praise him and all of his excellence and all of his greatness, all of a sudden 20, 30 minutes went down the road and all of a sudden I stopped for a moment and realized that the pain was gone. The things that I was suffering with in the moment had disappeared. There have been times that I come to preach and I begin to pray with other people and begin to put other people's circumstances and situations before me. My body wrecked with pain. My mind consumed with the circumstances of my life. But I'm anointing people in praying the prayer of faith. At the same moment that I'm releasing faith in of someone else's life. Faith is being activated through me to flow into somebody else and it begins to take care of the circumstances of my life. That's why you and I need to worship God. We need to keep serving God through everything that we're going through so that God can continue to bless us and God can continue to minister to us today. In closing this afternoon, if you're suffering here, just hearing these words, well, that's nice, preacher. You don't understand what I'm going through. You're right, I probably don't. But I've lived 37 years, 47 years, I'm trying to take 10 years off my life, 47 years upon this earth. And I've been through a few things. We've lived in nice houses. We lived in houses where there's more rodents than there were people. We've had thousands of dollars in the bank account, and we've had zero dollars in the bank account. We've been through the ups and through the downs. So I know what struggle is. I know what suffering is. In the last year of my life, I've been through a lot of things. I've struggled with my health. Two of my children have walked away from God. Ministry has taken a different course. Situations in my life have changed. When many during that time they thought that surely I would turn my back upon God. And I'm not up here to toot my own horn, but what I am here to tell you that 
though God has put a hedge of brown in my life for many years, every single service that I've preached the Word of God, every time that I've come to worship God, I've been building my own hedge around my own heart and around my own life, saying, Lord, I know that you've been faithful. And someone said, won't you blame God for all that? I said, no, I don't blame God for that. Because I know my God has always been faithful. And God is going to continue to be faithful. So while others thought that I should hide in anguish, I still went to church every Sunday, lifted my hands and worshiped to God, saying, God, here I am. I don't know how this thing's going to play out. I don't know how this thing's going to work out. God, I don't know what you're going to do and what your plan for the circumstance and situation is. But God, be through my suffering. God, you're going to give me the strength that I need to face what I'm facing right now. And God, you're going to get me through it today. And I've come to tell somebody today, if God can take me through some of the things in my life, that I know that God is no respecter of persons, what he's done for me and what he's done for many of the elders in this building. God can do the same for you. And you may think, and today I've been through a lot, but I've never been through something quite like I've been through, come through right now. That may be true. But you remember the God that brought you through yesterday. Well, Hebrews tells me that he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The God that brought you through stuff in your 20s will still be the God that will bring you through stuff in your 40s. The same God that brings you through stuff in your 40s will still be the same God that brings you through stuff in your 80s. He's still the same God. He's still the same God. He's still the same God. And he wants to give you strength in your suffering. Somebody's not giving this in this house today. you got to understand with all assurity that the Lord wants to give you strength for what you're going through, not for you to give up with the things that you're facing in your life, but God wants to undergird you with the winds of the Spirit in this service today to give you the strength to face whatever you're going to face tomorrow. You say, preacher, I'm not throwing through anything. If you still got breath in your body, you're going to go through something, even if you're not doing it right now. And God sent you a word maybe in advance, something that you may face this week that you need to rewind your mind back to this Sunday afternoon service and be reminded that the suffering that you're facing right now, God can give you strength for it. God can give you strength for it today. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, move your spirit upon this place. Move your spirit up and down the precepts of the corridors of the tabernacle of worship right now, God. Touching hearts and touching lives, God. God, you've already been doing the work, God. I'm praying right now that you would activate faith in someone to stand out and get out of where they are and make their way to this altar and begin to lift their hands in worship, saying, I've suffered long enough. I need strength now, God. I need strength now, God. I need strength now, God. God, as they respond to that, Lord, you'll honor your word that as they draw nigh to you in this altar that you'll meet them where they are. Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street in Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.